the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Folks, this is the answer to stinginess. This is the answer to stinginess. You can be generous with your money, believing that God is able to replenish it, and he'll reward your generosity with his abundant provisions. See, let me put it this way. Your faith has to be in God's power, not in the conventional financial wisdom of men. Otherwise, you'll never do this, because you know what? This absolutely makes no sense to the, the natural mind. Your faith has to be in God's power, not in the ups and downs of the stock market, not in your real estate investments, not in your retirement fund, not in your business expertise. If you follow that, you'll never be generous. If I'm convinced that my survival depends solely on my own skill and effort and my ability to accumulate resources, well, then greed is going to be the banner under which I live my life, right? I can't give away my stuff because once it runs out, I'll have nothing. But if I instead recognize that God is my provider and that he is my absolutely reliable resource of everything, that fear is removed and I'm able to demonstrate the same compassion to others that he shows to me. So today on Verse by Verse, Pastor Steve Kreloff will help us discover the answer to stinginess as we continue this liberating series of studies from 2 Corinthians about generous giving. Pastor Steve is the teaching pastor at Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. In chapter 9, verses 7 and 8, Paul tells us, Each one must do as he has purposed in his heart, not grudgingly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that always having all sufficiency in everything, you may have an abundance for every good deed. We usually think of the word grace as it relates to salvation. But in this context, it clearly has to do with material provision because of the words that follow, so that... Here's Pastor Steve to help us unpack these verses. The second word that opens this whole passage up is abound. One is grace. It means, understand, he's talking about material wealth. He's not talking about spiritual wealth here. I think there are some who try to take the strength away of this passage by saying, well, it can't just be material wealth. That sounds so so crass. Uh, But he is talking about material blessings. If you reap what you sow, he's talking about material blessings. You don't reap something and get something else back. If you reap material, or if you sow rather material benefits, you reap material benefits. So grace here is talking about material wealth. The second word is abound. Now watch this, abound. What does abound mean? It means exactly what it sounds. It means to overflow. Literally, it it means to have more than enough. Abundance, lavish. Now you realize what Paul is saying? Paul is teaching that God doesn't simply give back some material blessings to those who are generous with him, sort of like he he restocks what we've given out. He actually not only makes up for what we've lost in giving our money away, no, Paul is saying something more. He's saying that in addition to restocking what we have given away, God blesses the generous with more than they actually need. 
That's what this truth is. God gives us more than we need. But why? Why? Look at the rest of the verse. That, and that word that means here's the reason. Here's the, here's the whole point. That always having all sufficiency in everything, you may have an abundance for every good deed. What is he saying? The reason God so overwhelmingly blesses the generous, the cheerful giver with more than we need is that so we will have an abundance of material things to continue being generous with others. That's why he closes this verse by saying an abundance for every good deed. You be generous with God in giving to others and helping them, and God will make sure that you have enough for your own needs as well as more than you need so that you can continue being generous with others. Now, he's not talking about making you a millionaire. He's not talking about having you roll in the dough here. He's talking about that God will meet your needs and give you more than you need so that you can share with others. In fact, notice this expression, having all sufficiency in everything. It means that you'll always have your needs met by God. And it's important that it says having all sufficiency in everything. He will always have enough. The generous, cheerful giver will always have enough. If you, if you think, well, I have some needs that haven't been met, they're probably luxuries, not needs. God always meets our needs. In fact, the way this reads in the original Greek language would reveal that Paul wanted to, to emphasize the all or, or every in this verse. He wanted to emphasize that there will never be a time, never a time when a generous Christian will lack what he, what he really needs. You may not always know what you really need, but God does. You'll never lack what you really need. In fact, literally, you could translate this, having in all things, at all times, all sufficiency. It means you'll, you'll always have enough. You'll always have enough. Now, you need to be content with what God considers enough, but you'll always have enough. Listen, you never need fear. You never need to fear running short on money. And don't let that fear rob you of the joy of giving. That's what this whole thing is about. So many people do that. They, they are not generous and they are not joyful because they're afraid that the well's going to run dry. Listen, Paul said in Philippians 4.19, and my God will supply all of your needs according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. Now, either that's true or that's not true. And how rich is he in glory in Christ Jesus? Well, infinite, infinite. But in addition to having our own needs met, God promises that we will have an abundance of wealth to share with others. That's why it says, you may have an abundance for every good deed. The generous giver will always have enough riches to meet his own material needs as well as the needs of others. Why? These blessings are just going to overflow from us in the form of good deeds. See, when God finds a cheerful, generous giver, he knows that he can entrust that person with an ample supply of material riches. Why? Because that person's not going to consume it upon themselves. They've already proven that they're generous and and cheerful and giving to others. That person is going to take what's been given and give it out more. And God delights in that. God loves that, and God loves that person who does that. He knows they'll continue to be generous, so he can trust them with more than they actually need. God's not going to entrust that with everybody. He's just going to consume it upon themselves. And this is not, as I said the other week, this is not the message of the health and wealth gospel. There's a distortion in the health and wealth gospel. They say, give so you can get, so you can consume it upon yourself. That's not what Paul is teaching. Paul is saying, give so you can get, so you can give more. That's the true message of generosity. So listen, 
if this is the way, and I'm going to ask you a question here, if this is the way that God works, if God is so generous with the, with the generous that he actually gives them more than they need to continue in their generous ways, then why aren't more of us generous? Now, many of you are. In fact, Lakeside is an extremely generous church, and I commend you for that. Most of you are. Many of you are. Some of you are not. But why, why would any Christian not be generous in light of this truth? And I'll tell you the answer. The answer is what holds us back from being generous and even being more generous, it comes back to that fear. That fear that if we give away our resources, we're not going to have enough for ourselves. And that's the bottom line. We're going to run out. And then what are we going to do? Who's going to take care of us? This attitude is nothing more than a lack of faith in God's power to provide for us. And you got to call it what it is. It's sin. It's not a neutral issue. It's sin. I want you to notice something about this. Notice the beginning of verse 8. I purposely uh, bypassed that and got to some other truths. But notice the beginning of verse 8, what Paul says. He begins this verse by saying, and God is able. God is able to make all grace abound. And we don't want to overlook this phrase. God is able. You know what that means? It means God is able. That's what it means. God has the ability because he has all power and all authority to do exactly what he says he will do. He has all ability, all power to give you everything that you need and more for others. Now, either we believe that he's able to do what he says that he'll do, or we're guilty of the sin of not believing him. That's what he says. There's there's not even an issue to debate here whether that's the right interpretation or not. That's what he's saying. And the cure to worrying about money is not to get more money. It's to believe that God is, is able to provide for your needs. In fact, the New Testament writers often appeal to that phrase of God is able as the basis of confidence in him. For example, one of my favorite verses is Ephesians 3.20, in which Paul says, Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly beyond all that we ask or think according to the power that works within us. You know what that means? When you pray about something and you ask God for something specifically, he's able to do far beyond what you even ask. Why? Because of the power. Because of his power that works within us. But other writers said this. Jude, verse 24, said this. Now, to him who is able to keep you from stumbling. God is able to do that. And in Romans chapter 16, verse 25, Paul said, Now to him who is able to establish you according to my gospel, God is able to do it. And Abraham, that great man of faith, believed that God was able to accomplish what he said, in spite of the fact that it didn't look reasonable. God is able. Folks, this is the answer to stinginess. This is the answer to stinginess. You can be generous with your money, believing that God is able to replenish it, and he'll reward your generosity with his abundant provisions. See, let me put it this way. Your faith has to be in God's power, not in the conventional financial wisdom of men. Otherwise, you'll never do this, because you know what? This absolutely makes no sense to the, the natural mind. Your faith has to be in God's power, not in the ups and downs of the stock market. Not in your real estate investments, not in your retirement fund, not in your business expertise. If you follow that, you'll never be generous. You have to have confidence in God to provide for you when conventional financial wisdom cries against it. Otherwise, from the standpoint of human wisdom, what we have just shared this morning is absurd. It is absolutely absurd. It doesn't make any sense. From a natural standpoint, you don't gain anything by giving away what you have. Everybody knows that. 
If you have a pile of something and you give it away, it lessens that pile. How could you gain by giving? But that's what Paul says. If you give, then you lessen what you have. But God's word says just the opposite. It says in giving away our money, we actually increase our money. Now, Paul isn't the only one to say that. Jesus said that very clearly in Luke chapter 6, verse 38. Give, and it shall be given to you. They will pour into your lap a good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. For by your standard of measure, it will be measured to you in return. Jesus said, give and what? It'll be given to you. Just give. And it'll be given to you. And, and when he said, when he said, by your standard of measure, it'll be measured to you, meaning this, just what Paul said, if you're generous with others, by the standard of your generosity, God will be generous with you. Jesus wasn't the only one who said this, and Paul wasn't the only one who said this. Solomon said it in Proverbs 3, 9 and 10. You talk about God's wisdom. Listen to this. Honor the Lord from your wealth and from the first of all your produce. So your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. Now, maybe you don't want your vats to overflow with new wine. But the principle is you want to be generous with God so that he'll be generous back with you so that you can be generous with others. God will overflow. Now, this is a paradox. You give to get. From a human standpoint, it doesn't make sense. But from a supernatural standpoint, it is absolutely true. It's a great illustration of this in 1 Kings chapter 17. If you can find it quickly, that'll be good. If not, just, just listen. It is the story. It takes place during um, one of the darkest hours in Israel's history. It was the time of Elijah the prophet. And there had been such a wickedness in the land that God actually, through Elijah, brought famine upon the land. It didn't rain for three years. In fact, there wasn't even moisture. It was a horrible time in Israel. People were dying because of a lack of, of food. And there's a story here about a poor widow who was told to give when she really didn't have, from her standpoint, anything to give. First Kings chapter 17. Now, this is just tremendous. Then the word of the Lord came to him meaning Elijah, saying, Arise, go to Zarephath, which belongs to Sidon. That's, that's in northern Lebanon today. Sidon. And stay there. Behold, I have commanded a widow there to provide for you. So he arose and he went to Zarephath. And when he came to the gate of the city, behold, a widow was there gathering sticks. And he called to her and said, Please give me a little water in a jar that I may drink. Now remember, there's not much water to go around. Famine. As she was going to get it, he called to her and said, please bring me a piece of bread in your hand. Give me some water, like some bread too. But she said, as the Lord your God lives, I have no bread, only a handful of flour in the bowl and a little oil in the jar. And behold, I'm gathering a few sticks and I may go and prepare for me and my son that we may eat and die. What she's saying is, I just have a little bit. We, I just have enough for my last meal and my son's last meal. We're going to eat it and then we're going to starve to death. Elijah. Verse 13, then Elijah said to her, do not fear. Isn't that a great statement? Do not fear. Do as you've, as you've said, but make me a little bread cake from it first and bring it out to me. And afterwards, you may make one for yourself and for your son. And you think, now, is this guy being selfish or what? He says, yeah, I, I hear you, but first make some food for me and then go take care of yourself. But he wasn't being selfish. He wasn't. Watch this, verse 14. For thus says the Lord God of Israel. Here's a word from God. The bowl of flour shall not be exhausted, nor shall the jar of oil be empty until the day that the Lord sends rain on the face of the earth. 
So what did she do? She obeyed the word of the Lord spoke. So she went and did according to the word of Elijah, and she and her household ate for many days. The bowl of flour was not exhausted, nor did the jar of oil become empty according to the word of the Lord, which he spoke through Elijah. What an amazing story. What an amazing story. It it made no sense to her from a, a rational standpoint. It didn't make any sense. And yet the jar was never empty. The jar was always filled. Food was not exhausted. She obeyed. This is precisely what God wants to do in your life. I challenge you to obey him in being generous. If you've never been generous, do this. Trust God. I I, I say it's almost like what God said to to the children of Israel in the days of Malachi. Give to me and, and see if there's not a window of blessing open to you. Try God, test him in the sense of believing and trust him. It's not really testing to have him do anything wrong, but but test to see if his word is accurate because it is. Trust him on that. Now, how will he provide for you? I don't know. I don't know. Sometimes he'll provide through the ordinary means of a well-paying job. That happens. Other times it may come through bonuses, may come through extra work. It may come in some unexpected ways, such as people being generous to you. I, I've told you uh, when we started the series that God has been teaching me and has been teaching me for several years now, even before studying this passage about generosity, just working in my own heart. And so Michelle and I, for the last few years, have, have really tried when there have been um, extra uh, outside, let's say, speaking engagements that have come in where I've made some extra money to, to just give more and... Um, it hadn't been a whole lot, but just a little more. And every time I have done this, God has given us more. To the point, there was, a, there was a string of several months where I would just begin to laugh. I mean, you talk about a cheerful giver. I was a cheerful receiver as well. That every time I would give, things would, would happen. And, and one story is just so incredible. I, um, I have a cousin named Karen who lives in Switzerland, uh, Karen and I grew up in New York, but I, though she's my first cousin, I rarely saw her. She lived down on the island in New York and I in the city. And if I've seen Karen five times in my life, it's a lot. If I passed her on the street, I, I might not even recognize her. And so it was amazing to me about um, maybe a year and a half or so ago, I received a letter from Karen, just out of the blue. And in that letter, she said, now, you remember that my my mom died about a, a year and a half ago, a year or so ago, and her mom would have been my aunt. And uh, because I'm in Switzerland, I couldn't get to New York to check the, the vault. But I, I finally got there, and I discovered that she had made a... Uh, uh, she took out a uh, U.S. savings bond years ago for you and your brother, and I'm sending you the $1,000 savings bond. And if you'll tell me where your brother, I can contact him, I'll send it to him. Now, that, that is amazing. That is amazing. Number one, I hardly knew my aunt. I knew her a little bit better than my cousin, but I didn't know her very well. And she very well knew that I became a believer in Jesus Christ. And those in my family who knew I became a believer, they weren't so well disposed to me. Let me put it that way. And so the fact that, that she took out, and this would have been after I became a, a Christian, that she took out a savings bond in my name, that's, that's incredible. That's incredible. And so what I've done, I have in my office, you know how the savings bonds comes with the little uh, American flag on it? I have that in my office. I cash the savings bond, but I have the envelope to remind me of of Aunt Bess' blessings. That was her name, Bess. And uh, oftentimes I look to the Lord and give him thanks and and pray for more Aunt Bess' blessings. (laughs) 
because that's how God does. If God can move on the heart of an unsaved Jewish hands of mine to give me any money, that's, that just shows you that God has all kinds of resources at his disposal. And I really could tell you other stories that are just amazing, perhaps not as dramatic as that, but just amazing. How God chooses to provide for you is his business. Your concern is to trust him that he will provide abundantly for you as you generously minister to others. It's trust him. Do what he says. King David said in Psalm 37, 25, I have been young and now I'm old, yet I have not seen the righteous forsaken nor his seed begging bread. Isn't that a great statement? And why is that? Because God never fails to reward generosity with generosity. Those who are generous with others, God will be generous to you. So listen, trust him. Forget conventional wisdom that comes in the financial realm. Give, and you'll get so you can give more. This is not a new truth. This is as old as as God's revelation, because notice verse 9. Paul goes back into the Old Testament, and he quotes Psalm 112, verse 9, which says, As it is written, he scattered abroad, he gave to the poor, his righteousness abides forever. In this verse, what Paul tells us is that the righteous man is characterized by giving generously to the poor. If you're a, if you're a Christian, your life should speak of giving generously to those in need. And he says his reward is that God will never forget his righteous, need, his righteous deed of being generous. His righteousness, he says, abides forever. In other words, God rewards the righteous for their generosity by not only uh, not only in eternity, but now as well. It abides forever. God rewards us now with temporal blessings as well as eternal rewards. Now, Paul further supports this truth that God always rewards generosity by what he says in verse 10. And, and we're sort of saying the same thing, so we don't need to belabor the point. Verse 10, Now, he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. What does he mean by this? Same thing. Just as God provides a farmer with the seed that he needs to to yield a harvest of food, so God provides generous believers with material riches so that they can continue to do deeds of righteousness. That's, that's just the other words of what he's saying. His primary point is to say you never need to fear if God's going to replenish your resources because he's not only the one who supplies us, he actually, notice he says he even multiplies. He, he multiplies your seed of material riches. That's the point. That's why he reiterates this at the beginning of, of verse 11. You will be enriched in everything for all liberality. In other words, you'll be enriched in every way so that you may be generous on every occasion. He's just saying the same thing over and over again. God will make sure that you have enough riches to keep being generous to people. So don't worry about this. Don't worry. Where's it going to come from? There's some Aunt best blessings for you too. God is going to do this. So if, if fear and worry has held you back from being generous with others, then you need to recognize it for what it is. It is a lack of trust in God. Be generous. Be generous. I challenge you to do that because God is able to make all grace abound to you that having always all sufficiency in everything, you may have an abundance for every good deed. Isn't it good to know that if we are generous, God won't just leave us hanging? He loves generous givers. And it's not just material blessings. Paul said we'd be enriched in everything. Is that exciting or what? 
I'm glad you could be here today for Verse by Verse. Pastor Steve Kreloff, the teaching pastor at Lakeside Community Chapel, is guiding us through these two great chapters in 2 Corinthians, chapters 8 and 9. If you're interested in visiting Lakeside sometime, it's at 1893 Sunset Point Road in Clearwater, Florida. There's more information available online at lakesidechapel.com or call Lakeside at 727-441-1714. That's 727-441-1714 or lakesidechapel.com. Giving is a topic that makes most pastors nervous because the health and wealth preachers really like to emphasize and abuse it. But just because some people misuse these scriptures is not a reason to ignore such a large section of God's Word. So here we are nearing the conclusion of a lengthy study of an important subject. We hope it's been helpful to you. In fact, if you missed any of it and wish you could go back and catch up, all our previous broadcasts are available for free at our website, versebyverseradio.org. Click on the message archive link and use your browser search function to find the dates you want. That's versebyverseradio.org. This is Jerry Peterson. To paraphrase the great composer Johann Sebastian Bach, All giving should have no other end and aim than the glory of God and the soul's refreshment. Where this is not remembered, we risk seeking our own glory. Please join us next time for Verse by Verse as Pastor Steve wraps up this message and this series with Paul's crescendo as he finishes telling the best part of giving. God gets the glory. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.